Coming up on Back of My Plate, we're going to be remembering and revisiting Ghouls and Ghosts on the Sega Genesis and the Mega Drive with Greg Stewart and Peter Brown. But before we get into that, two things real quick. One, make sure you stick around for that last segment. We didn't just wrap up the show. We ended up having a rather lengthy retro discussion. So stick around for that last segment. Number two, big announcement. It's already gone out to Patreons already, but it's going to be going out to everyone on Monday. I'll also include some audio in the RSS feed. So if you're listening to this on your podcast application, you'll just have it show up on Monday so you can hear about it there as well. But I'm doing a really big push for Back of My Play. Really excited about an expansion for Back of My Play. So I hope you can check out that announcement. I hope I got your support. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to Back in My Play. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and we are back on the Sega Genesis and Mega Drive lineup of platforms because we're talking about a fantastic, maybe that's going a little bit far, but I'm going to say a fantastic arcade port of one of Capcom's classics, Ghouls and Ghosts. And joining me for this episode, I have first coming from Canada, one hour in the the future, that is uh, Greg Stewart from Player One Podcast and Generation 16. Greg, how are you? Great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Well, you know, we're talking about a Sega game, so the default slot is uh, always Greg's. That's right. I appreciate that. And you got to make sure that you go to generation-16.com and watch those videos that I'm sure Greg is spending all day working on after we <laughs> record this episode. So go and check out uh, those. Yes. Have, you, have you done this on Generation 16? You would have already, right? Oh, God, yeah. I was in the... Uh, I wasn't in the first episode, but it was in an early episode. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then also joining us is Peter Brown from GameSpot.com, someone who I also enjoy having on this show quite a bit. Peter, how are you? Good. Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, fa- fantastic. We're, we're, we're killing zombies. We're killing red devils. We are going up against gigantic bosses. It is always a good time. And I will be very clear. Like I said, we're talking about the Sega Genesis and Mega Drive version of this game, but we will most likely on the periphery talk about other versions, iterations, and ports of this game on other platforms as we go through our discussion. But as you guys know, what we like to do is take a break, play some music, and then talk briefly about the history of Goals and Ghosts. So we're going to do that. We'll be right back. talk briefly about the history of ghouls and ghosts and of course this was a capcom arcade classic and like many capcom arcade classics it didn't just come out in the arcade it came out on everything that was capable of playing something that even looked like 
a video game. This includes, you know, the wonderful Amiga, the Amstad uh, CPC, Atari ST. We got the Commodore 64, the Sharp X68000. We're going to come back to that version in a bit. We got compilations on the Sega Saturn, PlayStation, PlayStation 2. Uh, it came out on the Super Graphics. It came out on the Master System. Of course, like I mentioned before, the Mega Drive and the Genesis, the ZX Spectrum, and... Of course, everyone's favorite emulation platform, the virtual console. So this was a, a, a thing that just happened with not just Capcom arcade games, but many arcade games. They would just get ported all over the place. But there's going to be a specific reason why we talk about the Mega Drive and the Genesis version. Specifically, this version, uh, like Greg and I were going back and forth before doing this show, and we we're trying to figure out like what, where can we really find a lot of information about this game? And it's it's quite hard to find games on this specific port uh, for the Sega Genesis and the Mega Drive. But to circle back around to the Mercs episode, Peter Brown and I talked a little bit about this because it was at the uh, start of the Mega Drive and the Sega Genesis. And this is when Sega was uh, telling companies, specifically Capcom, hey, like there's this game that you have. Why don't you just give us the code and we will do the work and we will put it out and we'll make sure it's fantastic on our platform because we want to highlight this new hardware that we have out there. And uh, this game came out in 88 in the arcades. It came out in 89 on the Mega Drive and on the Sega Genesis. And uh, again, you know, this was developed originally by Capcom. It was ported by Sega and then published uh, by, I believe, Sega in the on the Sega Genesis and the Mega Drive. But the big thing that was kind of the biggest piece of note was that Yuji Naka actually did the port work, uh, a lot of the work for Ghouls and Ghosts on the, the Sega Genesis. And Greg, I, I don't know, do, were you able to find much on this when you were doing this segment for Generation 16? No, there's there's almost no information out there on this port. It's really weird. I mean, obviously, we have we have a lot of information on the, the arcade game. Uh, Tokuru uh, Fujiwara did uh, design the game, and uh, Fujiwara went on to make some of the greatest games in the history of Capcom. We're talking about producing tons of Mega Man games, DuckTales. We're talking about, you know, some mid-tier games like Final Fight 2, but also going all the way to games like Mad World. Uh, this is someone that we've brought up on the show a couple times in the past, but we're talking about some of, like, you think about Capcom arcade classics, uh, Fujiwara most likely had his fingers on those games and also uh, sometimes credited as Professor F uh, or Arthur King uh, in the case of Ghouls and Ghosts. So maybe we don't need to hit on the history of this game too too much but i just thought those were some interesting anecdotes of the uh the game the other thing that i want to mention and as you can probably tell like i was telling the guys before i got a lot of sleep last night so i'm very energetic today is uh this game was ported uh not only quite a bit but a lot of the ports were really rough like if you're thinking about uh consoles like the uh uh, Amiga, you're talking about consoles like the Commodore 64. Like, look up, go look up videos of that. Look at, look up videos of it on the ZX Spectrum. Again, Peter, a lot of the same consoles that we were talking about last time for, for Mercs as well. And there is one port, one port that if you just happen to have some cash, you happen to be in Japan and you want to pick up some like really sick hardware with some really great games on it, like really fantastic ports, including Konami games on it. Uh, the Sharp X68000. Uh, pick up one of those computers 
and you will be able to get uh, you'll get the opportunity to play a lot of fantastic arcade ports, including Ghouls and Ghosts, uh, Strider, Final Fight, uh, Alien Syndrome, uh, Street Fighter Two, uh, Castlevania as well. Really cool, fantastic port of uh, Castlevania on there, but. I guess we're going to most likely just stick with the Mega Drive version for this. I don't know. It's probably worth noting the the 6800 versions. Are are those technically ports? Because I think most of those games you mentioned, including this one, were programmed on that processor for the arcade original. That is a really good question. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the the port information that I was able to to dig up, and most of it was related to the the home computer ports that were, um, you know, done by people I believe in in Europe, with like some music changes by uh, Tim Fallon, uh, who did some of the the changes of the music for for consoles like the the Commodore sixty four, the Atari ST. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a really good question. I'm not sure. Yeah, most of the stuff on the 6800, as far as I'm aware, is arcade perfect just because of the fact that the code is basically running natively. It was like the that. Dreamcast of the day. Uh, yeah, dude, I guess that's a pretty good comparison. I yeah, like it. most of uh, SNK's games, uh, especially, but uh, things like Final Fight, Strider, uh, which, you know, this is close to that that era. So, I wish we had one of those computers here. I would love to go and check one of those out, but I, I don't even know if that's even uh, easy to, to procure in. They're expensive. Oh, you've, you've done, you've already looked at this up. <laughs> There's a guy at work who's uh, very keen on the 6,800. Um, yeah. He's looked for a while. Steve Lynn has sort of tried to give him a hand, but I think no matter how you slice it, you're going to spend a thousand uh, bucks. Think, yeah. I was going to say like four figures at least. Oof, yeah, we're looking at if we're looking on eBay today, we're talking about getting a computer and a monitor for a thousand bucks plus shipping for that. And the games themselves, if you want a right. sick copy of Gradius 2, you're talking about hundred, hundred and fifty dollars. That is probably still worth it. <laughs> like you're right. There's so look at all these great there's tons of great arcade games on there, like uh, even including uh, Castlevania, which I believe is the arcade port of Castlevania, right? Yeah, and then you'll see things like R-Type on there as well. Mm. And all these games have really great cover art uh, compared to a lot of their other uh, releases, uh, especially R-Type. It's it's uh, super foreboding. I really like it. Um, <sighs> the 6800 is a weird system. It's one of those things that is kind of, I think, always going to be uh, <laughs> something people you know appreciate from afar these days. Yeah, and Ghouls and Ghosts for the console is going to cost you uh, roughly $300. So that yeah, is uh, right. also a consi- $1,300 to get arcade perfect version of Ghouls and Ghosts in your house, though. That's like... that's that- Keep in mind, too, they're on floppy disks, I'm pretty sure. That's right. So you have to deal with degradation and, uh, yeah. <laughs> get to her- hermetically seal those copies uh, if you're going to to buy them, but yeah, I mean this, this is this is a game that we probably won't spend a ton of time talking about the history, but I guarantee we're going to be talking about some other ports of this game in the next segment. So why don't we table it right there? We will take a a quick break. If you want, you can pull out your super graphics and take a look at that version, or maybe even take a look at some of the great comparison videos on YouTube, just like they did for Merck. Some great people on YouTube have looked across multiple different versions of this game to compare sound, graphics, and even uh, character design. So you can go give that a look. And in the meantime, here's some more music from Ghouls and Ghosts on the Mega Drive and Sega Genesis. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
right, we're going all the way back to the late 80s, early 90s. We're going to have a little bit of buffer in there because we are not always going to be the people that had the consoles at launch. Some of us may have lived in the woods. Some of us may have just not had the uh, financial means, or you might have been me and been two years old and didn't have the console due to that reason. So, yeah, sorry, two years old, we were rocking the NES. I was playing some Super Mario Brothers and beating that at the age of two or three years old. But um, this is going to be weird, and we're going to we're going to go around, and I'm going to let this be flexible because, like I said, not only are there multiple ports of this game, I would like to also talk about Ghosts and Goblins on the NES. If you had experience with that, we can we can be loosey-goosey with this. Or you can bet your ass, because I got it Christmas Day with my Super Nintendo in 1991, Super Ghouls and Ghosts. I'm going to be talking about that. So, uh, Greg, I'm curious, when did you end up playing ghouls in ghosts were you playing it on the sega genesis or were you messing around with some of the earlier iterations or the uh the ghosts and goblins before that i played ghosts and goblins on on the nes i didn't own it but it was one of the games that we rented we we rented it a few times but uh the game is just so ridiculously hard like (laughs) ghouls and ghosts is hard ghosts and goblins is stupid like um yeah so i always loved the idea of it you know, the whole, like, knocking the armor off and that sort of thing. Um, but, I mean, that port was terrible on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. It, was, it wasn't it was the first game that Capcom released on a home console. And it was done by, I think it was Tosa or... Was yeah, it anyway. Sachin? Or, yeah, it's, oh, what was it? Done by one of those uh, places they'd farm out all those ports to before Capcom started handling everything themselves. Um, so, anyway, yeah, it, was, it was awful. But... As far as the Genesis version, um, I had started renting uh, Sega Genesis consoles pretty frequently in about the you know six or so months leading up to when I actually bought mine. And Ghouls and Ghosts was my was kind of a my Chronics. That's the yeah. name of the company. Yes, um, Ghouls and Ghosts was kind of one of the standard bearers for that console at the time. This was mm-hmm. you know pre Sonic, so you had um, you know Revenge of Shinobi, Ghouls and Ghosts, Forgotten Worlds. Um, Super Monaco GP, those were kind of the games that when you saw Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, like when you saw an ad for a Genesis, those were the games like, oh my God, those look amazing. You can't, you can't, can't do this on Nintendo. So I would rent that. And yeah, I was super impressed by it right away. There's a lot of things to be impressed by. You, you play it now and it's clearly a very early Genesis game, but little things like um, when you, in the first level, when you get to the second part of the island and, and it starts to rain and you just have like that full screen overlay yeah. that's flickering on and off in the rainstorm. Very cool. Like you didn't see stuff like that back then. So overall, I was really super excited about that game when I played it for the first time. Did, did like that box art, like this is something that Peter and I talked it's about good. on the Mercs episode, but yo, man, like those early, like again, that's the inspiration that, that I gave Lloyd who did our logo. That was the inspiration for the back of my play logo is that just sick grid background on the boxes mm-hmm. for uh, Sega Genesis games in, in the US and uh, for the Mega Drive games uh, as well. But yet, like, literally one of those badass box arts of that generation, easily. And the illustration for for Ghouls and Ghosts was was fantastic, right? <sighs> it's just such a cool image. It's the exact same illustration on the Japanese and the American versions of the box. Mm-hmm. Just so cool. Yeah. So cool. You get a, a little bit more in the Japanese one. I've got both in yeah. front of me right now. And I, I literally bought the Japanese version just so I could have like, yeah. a bigger representation of that art. It's like the most metal Genesis box art, perhaps. 
<laughs> yeah, you yeah, can the side of it, you know, Hell the yeah. demonic side. Yeah. And, and like you compare it to how lame the box art is for super ghouls and ghosts, like how <laughs> dumb, like you, you put those side yeah. to side and be like, dude, I'm getting a Genesis. I'm not getting this little well, kitty crap. It's kind of funny because, yeah, exactly what we just said. I don't know that it was intentional, but it, it's totally like a a wonderful example of the different markets the two companies were going for with their consoles, right? Because Sega was like, we're going, we're grown up, we're cool, we're hip. Like the teenage, the teenagers want to play us. Yeah. And then you get the Super Nintendo game and it's like, hey, look, this is a game for your five-year-old brother. <laughs> I just, I, I th- thinking about this, like, I think, Peter, you just said this. It's like, it, it like that. The box art looks like rock and roll. Like even have his fists like pumped. He just like you yeah. just feel like you want to hear like lightning like, coming out of him. <laughs> like you just want to hear like someone wailing on a guitar yeah. as he's doing it with like a gigantic enemy like region form in the background. Yeah, yeah. and it, so cool. this game only has one screenshot on the Japanese box. That's all you need. Which, <laughs> that's all you need. <laughs> Who cares? Like, I'm, I'm, that, that is this is. I mean, we talk about it all the time, but this is like the era of buying games based on the box art. Like, you know, how many poor buttheads like bought, you know, Lethal Weapon 3 in the NES because they're like, oh man, that box art looks cool because it looks just like the movie. That was a bad example. But um, what I'm trying to say is I would have been sold immediately just based off of, of the box. And even when you compare it to like Ghosts and Goblins on the the NES, like even on the Famicom version, like it just looked like a really crappy, like bad artwork, but mm. man, that oh, like just looking at the, the Sega Genesis and the mega drive box art for, for the ghouls and ghosts. I, I think too, the other thing for me was that I didn't have a lot of experience with arcades, but in, in a couple of the arcades that were around her, they had ghouls and ghosts and I had <sighs> played it a little bit. Uh, I didn't play it much because I wasn't very good at it. Mm-hmm. But it was another example of, you know, you saw still images or even, or even well, I don't think you really saw many commercials. You saw still images of Ghouls and Ghosts on the Genesis. Mm-hmm. It's like, that looks surprisingly close to the arcade game, where when you think back to, like, Ghosts and Goblins, if you'd seen that in the arcade, the NES version really didn't look that similar mm-hmm. to the arcade game. So it was another, you know, it was it was what what Sega was going for, which is the whole reason why they licensed these games from Capcom in the first place is, you know, our ports are surprisingly close to what you're putting 25 cents into at an arcade. It's just so, it's just so cool. And sorry. Anyways, we got, we kind of got off, off track with that, but, um, you, you, you played, you played ghosts and goblins and again, you know, not really feeling it so much, but, uh, was this one of the first games? Did you buy this or did you rent this on the, on the Genesis? I rented it a lot at first. It wasn't one of the ones that I bought when I got my system because I was a big race fan. So Super Monaco GP is what I was all over at the time. Oh yeah. Um, but I did eventually. I, I ended up getting it used. The, the the store I bought my Genesis from sold used games as well. So I eventually picked it up. I liked it enough that yeah, I, I played it fairly frequently when I was a kid. Did you beat it? Not when I was a kid. No, nope. okay. I haven't beaten it since. But not easy to do. We'll talk about that some. Some more. Uh, Peter, you're also, and I, I, I swear I got this wrong last time on the, the Mercs episode, but you actually were like a Sega family first back then, right? Uh, yeah, so first CNES, and then I got my choice of console in the 16-bit era, and I went with Genesis. But surprisingly, I didn't realize that uh, this game was on the system um, for quite a while. Uh, a buddy of mine had Super Ghouls and Ghosts, my infamous friend who I always played all his Super Nintendo games. And mm-hmm. I just kind of assumed that, yeah, this is the 16-bit uh, you know, Ghouls and Ghosts game that's out there. 
so it wasn't until I mean, I heard about it a while ago, but maybe five years, a few years after I finally like realized what I was missing that I, I actually played it. And uh, I, I really like this game a lot. I, I think I like it better than Super Goals and Ghosts, if only for the fact that I can fire up. Up and down. Uh, and yeah, it runs at more yeah, than so. three frames per second? Yeah, there's also that. <laughs> God, it's, um, like, it's like, a, like your family vacation slideshow in Super Ghouls and Ghosts. It's gross. Yeah, wh- while you're trying to manage a double jump um, yeah. <laughs> with the crazy momentum. Um, so yeah, this one is just, it feels a little bit more precise for those reasons. Definitely. I, um, I will, will say like, I even played a little bit. Oh, let me, actually, let me, let me say this. So when, um, I, I didn't play this version of the game until I started getting into retro gaming, like, you know, let's call it, uh, you know, seven or eight years ago when I really started collecting stuff. And this is just one of the games that is rather inexpensive and I ended up picking up for the Sega Genesis. But back in 91, like I mentioned before, like my experience with Ghouls and Ghosts or Ghosts and Goblins, I'm pretty sure, I don't think I ever rented that or I had a friend that had Ghosts and Goblins. So like my really only experience with this franchise was Super Ghouls and Ghosts. And we got a poor roll of the dice when God bless my parents for buying us the games anyways. But when we got a Super Nintendo that our grandparents bought, our parents bought us uh, one game, and that was Super Ghouls and Ghosts. And I'm sure they bought it because it looked so friendly on the cover. It didn't look like a violent game. <laughs> and we, I think my brother and I, this is when my brother still played video games, we, we could only get to the second stage. We could just barely beat the first stage. Again, me being in 91, I was five. Uh, I was coming up on five years old. And in god for my my brother would have been nine years old so this was an incredibly difficult game and if you're looking side by side all right in one hand i got super mario world that came packed in with my console arguably one of the best video games of all time close to perfection and then in the other hand i got this shoddy port of ghouls and ghosts with some nicer visuals some some decent sound effects some cool some cool graphics big big bosses and stuff and it runs like garbage and it's hard as hell and it controls terribly like again like you're even just comparing the controls like of super mario world i know they're different games but you play super mario world then you pop in yeah we get a little change of pace let's play some super goals and ghosts and it feels like garbage like it it's terrible compared to it um and then I played some more today because I beat I beat Ghouls and Ghosts on the the Genesis today, and then I popped in Super Ghouls and Ghosts just to make sure I could do like a quick A B test. And oh my god, that game is just so it's bad. It's a bad game. I don't know how people can play that game. Sorry, I I mean <laughs> I, I wouldn't call it a shoddy port because it was it was a sequel like it. It wasn't a port of Ghouls and Ghosts, but but like the, I, I a lot of the levels were the same. Like the bosses were different and stuff, and there was the ability to, you know, jump once, then hit jump again and press in a different direction, and then angle your your jump. But it was just like not, oh, it's just not good. Well, for me, it it fell into that whole uh, realm of, and I'll say like Super Castlevania Four. Although I think Super Castlevania Four was a great game, but the early early Super Nintendo games, I mean, they were all about showcasing the hardware tricks. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's what that's what Super Ghouls and Ghosts was. It was a it was a game, but it was 
built around like you know look at all the cool things we can do with this new hardware and i think from that perspective as a launch game it was actually pretty successful i I don't think it's held up over time uh i think that yeah probably ghouls and ghosts on the genesis is held up better just because i think from a pure gameplay standpoint it's a better game um the double jump didn't add much and being able to shoot up and down was was so instrumental in making a good game that it, it makes ghouls and ghosts stand up more today Totally. I mean, it was a showpiece. It was a showpiece. Just you know, just like just like Super Castlevania Four, like the, all the bells and whistles they had in Super Castlevania Four, they they were surrounding a much better game. Mode Seven, they the, were scaling. There yeah, was better storytelling. Yeah, all the rotating rooms and the spinning, yeah, the cylinder that you're in, and and the the uh, the scaling bosses and all that stuff. Like that was literally look what your Super Nintendo can do. Okay, did Final Fight only had one player? Like yeah, and then players. Final Fight only had one player. Sega oh, CD for yeah. life. Yeah, seeing it, saying it's easy for, for life, and a couple years later. Um, <laughs> all right, so I I don't know where else I I, I want to go with this, but but Peter, were you ended up? Uh, did you end up? Uh, were you able to finish it back then? Were you able to actually get through Ghouls and Ghosts? No, I've never been able to finish this game. The no, no, I can get only as far as the third stage before I start to lose it. Um, and even <laughs> the, that takes, takes that a lot the, of effort. The village, the turtles? Uh, I think the are the bouncing... You're talking about like the bouncing rock turtle things? Yeah. I mean, that's technically the second level, I guess. But. Yeah, yeah. No, a little bit past that. But that, that, that is definitely the caves. Like a pain in the ass. <laughs> a major pain in the butt. Yeah. yeah, the caves have a lot of stuff going on, including uh, the the icy water sections too. Right, right, uh, right. So it's it's a little bit of a mess. Well, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a uh, a break? We'll hear some more music. And I know you're probably like we're in the third segment, and all the music kind of sounds the same. Yeah, it's not the best soundtrack of all time, but you know we're gonna work with it. Maybe maybe what I'll do, and you'll know this by the time that you listen to it. Maybe I'll <laughs> even mix in some ultimate Ghosts and Goblins soundtrack in there too, because that soundtrack's pretty good. Um, and actually we should probably talk about that too next segment. So let's take a break. We'll be right back with some more discussion on ghouls and ghosts on the Sega Genesis. Stick around. in 2017 and uh hopefully you got a really good console to play this game on you might even have a nintendo wii and you're still connecting to their servers to download a virtual console version of this game which is probably the best way to play this unless you are going to have a physical copy because i mentioned this game was ported a couple times like on those capcom collections on the xbox and the playstation 2 
but the emulation on those are not very good. And one of the things that really is a, a sour point for those games is how dark those games look on the consoles. It's kind of like what happens with the, I think it was with the the NES games, like on the the 3DS and stuff. Like they just look really dark for for no reason. Uh, so maybe best to pick up a Sega Genesis or a <clears throat> emulation or something like that. So. Uh, <laughs> Peter, how do you, how do you like to play this today? You uh, you obviously mentioned in the last segment you got not only just you know the Sega Genesis version, but you also got the Japanese Mega Drive version as well. I'm oh, sorry, Peter. I think you got yourself muted. We're doing this for for sound purposes. You're right. Sorry. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I've got both the 16-bit versions. Um, well, both the the Genesis and the Mega Drive ones, but I actually prefer to play this on a Saturn. Um, I did pop it in. I'm currently testing the new or new to the West, the Retro Freak like 12 in one console. So I played the Mega Drive version on that a little bit, but uh, I just got a new PVM uh, yesterday, so I've been playing the Saturn one on that. God, I saw. Okay, hold on, hold on. I I <laughs> saw this on Twitter yesterday. You you got you got three PVMs now. What do you, you, you like? Is this going to be the 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 last scene from? Uh, Johnny Mnemonic, like, what are we going for here? That's about right. No, uh, yeah, so I've got three. Um, one is in a closet at home. One is on my desk at work. And the 20-inch that I got yesterday is just sitting on the ground right now. And I'm not sure where I'm it's going to so go. I'm so jealous. Oh, but it works. So, okay, so you got a, a getting... Okay, so most of... For people out there, just to back up a little bit, a lot of PVMs out there, like some of the more common ones are going to be like 13, 14-inch. The 20-inch ones are really hard to find. So that is totally justified. I didn't realize it was a 20-inch one. That's huge. Yeah, and so the guy was selling it on Craigslist. I'll get through this quickly. He wanted three hundred dollars or a Sega CDX in trade. <laughs> I have, I had two CDXs. One that I picked up at a flea market for like twenty five bucks. Oof. So it's kind of a no brainer. We were both super excited. The trade went fine. Got it home last night. Played a bunch of Saturn games, uh, including this. Um, but the twenty inch is like, Man. I've I've been waiting for one. And I the thing is, I look on Craigslist all the time yeah like a couple times a day which is kind of what you have to do um yeah so stoked to have it and uh ghouls and ghosts to get back on point well this is uh, on the, really the capcom generation this is like when capcom like the sega yeah. saturn uh capcom generation discs are badass like if you can find those when you're out in japan like perfect versions of street fighter and a bunch of other uh arcade games on it right yeah they're yeah they're God, really good it's great i know it's my favorite at the moment um so it's got perfect arcade ports of Ghosts and Goblins and Ghouls and Ghosts. Uh, Choma Kaimuda, Super Ghouls and Ghosts. That one is actually a port of the Super Famicom one, which means that the video is sort of, um, like the resolution is this weird sort of boxed-in shape. Yeah, the aspect ratio is a little bit different, right? Right. But uh, the slowdown is basically gone. It no still seems like, a, shit. like it's there a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's not nearly as bad. I have. I actually have that. That is the only Capcom Generations disc I have, and I've not played what? it in years. I should go back and play that. I think it's the only one worth having, personally. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I need to buy a Sega Saturn again. Yeah, you should always have a Saturn. I'm yeah, that's, that is true. That is not a system you should keep offloading. That's a system worth keeping. Yeah, it's the only one I collect relentlessly for these days. Everything else I'm very choosy, but Saturn games, I can't help myself. Okay, okay, okay. I love I love that. Not to I know we're going off on the tangent here, <laughs> but I feel so vindicated when I hear things like that because I was a Saturn like faithful right through the nineties. 
Yeah. It's like, this is a great system. It's a great system. People are nuts. And nowadays you hear things like that. And it's like to hear you say something like that is like, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The world is seeing what I could see back in 96. <laughs> wow. I see someone selling almost the exact same lot that I sold. It's back. probably the same lot. <laughs> it might be for like 130 bucks shipped with 20 games. Never mind. We're Sorry, about to get a, we're about to get an on air purchase. Yeah, we're not we're happening. not gonna we're not gonna do that. It's really bad podcasting. But um, yeah, and I, I mean we can stick on the Saturn stuff for a second because um, you, did you end up getting in a lot of use of the Panzer Dragoon Saga? Is that what the PVMs for? Like kind of saving it to play it in the perfect way possible. Uh, it's sort of a timing thing. So I've been running around a lot the past few weeks. Um, I did get had two hours into Panzer Dragoon Saga. Um gotta admit i only felt some of the magic i was hoping for <laughs> okay um but uh yeah no i'm definitely gonna continue playing that there's Sweet. i've been waiting so long there's no way i'm gonna let that that slip past me okay so um play, playing uh goals and ghosts capcom collection i think it's uh volume two right on the on the saturn yeah. uh-huh. and uh are, are you able to get any farther than that that third stage today no, no, no. I mean, that that's as far as I've ever gotten, honestly. <laughs> um, and I even ramped the lives up to uh, to nine. I, I will say it's a little demoralizing because I also watched the uh, Game Center CX episode. Oh, that's and... a fantastic, great, great, great uh, point to bring that up. That is a fantastic episode. It really is. But it makes me feel so crappy that Arino could beat it, but but I could not. Yeah, but he, he is historically he's, not that good at video games. Yeah, but he sat there for like sixteen <laughs> hours and did it. Nineteen, I think. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah, a little bit. But he was going through like stage after, in the beginning. He got through the first like four stages almost, uh, yeah, with very little issue. And, and I'm so. pretty sure for that episode, I think he even mentioned it was. I mean, this was so long ago, but I think he actually mentioned like he owned that game back in the day, or he remember remember playing it a lot. So maybe he had some sort of, you know, muscle memory from from back in the the late '80s or something like that. I might be completely wrong. I might be thinking of a different I, episode. You know, actually, that's that's funny that you say that because I feel like that might actually be a legit thing. Because when I, I mean, I haven't played this probably four years ago was the last time I played Ghouls mm-hmm. and Ghosts, and Man, I at first it was tough, and then I kind of slipped into a groove, and it's like I am doing way better than I expected because mm-hmm. I managed to get through the game once, and then something that we haven't talked about in the show is that to finish this game, you actually have to play through it at least twice. Oh yeah, because right. you forgot that magic crap from the first stage, Greg. You should have picked it up. You well, no, no, no. you can't. No, you can't pick it up the first time through. I know. I was being sarcastic. Yeah. So, but that's the thing. You got to pick up a magic weapon. You have to get to the end of the game with that magic weapon mm-hmm. to actually unlock the final boss and beat him. And the second time you play through it, the difficulty goes up. So, and I was actually, I made it a really good chunk of the way through the second time too. It's like, wow, I did not expect to do this well. And I think it's just because my, just my brain was going back 30 years and or 20 yeah. years. And it's like, yeah, I could do this. This, this ain't no thing. <laughs> Well, this is this is something that, um, and I'm gonna I'm sorry to jump in for for a second, but uh, this is a game like I I forget it might have been it was I'm pretty sure it was before back in my place started. I'll have to look at like the YouTube archive for this, and it was like a couple YouTube accounts ago. But I ended up beating this game. Uh, I think live streaming it on on YouTube, and 
that's kind of where I was at this time when I played through it. Like I breezed through this game as pretty much until you get to the castle. Like there's like kind of a mini boss rush. I'm, I'm apologize. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Yeah. But, um, on my my first playthrough a, a couple of years ago, um, this this kind of falls in line with games for me like like Castlevania, uh, games that we played on the show that have been brutally difficult, but they've just been good enough, and they felt like many of the times when I died, like it was kind of my fault, even though the hitboxes are like one million pixels too big in this game. Like the 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 hitboxes on you as a character are. Like I would guess, what like six or eight, ten pixels outside, like outline of your character. Like you will get hit by stuff, and same thing for the the like fireballs or whatever is coming after you. Um, but for some reason, I don't know if it was because I was streaming it or or what, but like I kept going, and I ended up like sitting there for a day maybe like six, six or eight hours and ended up beating the game. Like went all the way through the second playthrough again as well a couple of years ago. And when I played through it for, for this episode, like I breezed through it. Like it was, it was really surprising how much I remembered and how easy, like how all the tricks that I remembered all, not necessarily the glitches, but I knew where to be and I knew what things I could walk past and I knew what things, uh, like what items like you should have, like, hey, pro tip, Make sure you got a knife. Stay away from oh my god, the right. fire. Oh my god, guys, the fire. Um but uh even like today, like it is easy to to blow through it. And it is a very not a fair game. It's it's fair in terms of how it does lives, continues, and checkpoints. Because if you play on yes. the default mode, which is quote unquote practice mode, then you can continue as much as you want. And you continue from your last checkpoint of yep. uh, where, where you last died. So that could be right before a boss. So I'd you forgotten could about that. Yeah, so you could go against that boss over and over and over and over again. And that's how I did it. Like, I literally just, like, memorized this game. And there's some variation in how enemies will, will attack you in terms of their patterns. Like, you talk about the, the Red Devils. You talk about those bouncing turtles. Like, their patterns will change sometimes. But... For the most part, you'll have enough, like you'll have enough knowledge and you'll have enough like endurance and, and uh, strength to then be able to 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 get through this game. And then like when you get it through it once and they just say, oh, you got to go back and do it all over again. Like at that point, it's really not, it's not that hard because you're just running through this stuff. And Greg, you said, and I apologize, I'm dumping a lot right now, but like it is more difficult but it's not really like there's like an extra mm, version. No, of the, it is. It's, I but. didn't find it that much harder because like there'll be fire in certain areas that you need to jump over, like on the like you're jumping over uh, from tongue to tongue or uh, there's going to be. And I think that's on the, the second stage when you're jumping on tongues and like riding the tongues back and forth. And there's also points where like the boss battles where instead of one snake, there's two snakes. Like it's not that bad. Well, I mean, it is harder though. That's what I'm getting at. But no, it, those those bouncing turtles in the the village in the second stage are my bane on the second playthrough. Uh, they get me. That is where I run into my difficulty every time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it it it's also worth noting. It's actually a pretty short game. I couldn't believe how fast I it's went like through. Twenty it. minutes long. Yeah, which is not uncommon for games back then, especially in arcade port. But uh, you know, it was a, a fairly 
major issue for a, a console that was based almost entirely on arcade ports at first. Um, it's, it's such a, it's such a, I, I don't know. I like, I, I, I love this game. I, and, and, and it's also at the same, like, again, people saw me playing this like yesterday and today, like it's, this game's so frustrating at the same time. There's so many times where there's so much like crap that happens that mm-hmm. you think is, and, and it is very unfair. And again, like I mentioned, the, the hitboxes on enemies, or excuse me, on yourself and on projectiles that are coming at you are insane. There are times when you have your favorite item, like you have the knife or you have that little kind of like spinning disc thing that goes on the ground and that's like really effective against the, the Visine and uh, bosses. I call them the, like the big uh, bloodshot <laughs> eyes with clouds. Visine boss. Whatever. Um, and... Though, uh, what was I saying? And then you'll like just randomly see something, or you'll ha- you'll kill an enemy, and then they will drop like fire or like a- an item that you don't want. A lot of times yeah. it's fire, or even, a lot of times it's fire. Yeah. Oh my god, the fire is like, and it has this reputation, but it is totally earned as one of the worst weapons in the history oh, of so video slow games. Slow and yeah. Even on, especially on the vertical uh, scrolling yes. uh, stage, yeah, which is where you always get it because there, right. <laughs> yeah, there's that vertical scrolling when you're on the, the second, elevator uh, and you have those stage. bats that are dropping at you, and they always have pots, and you'll always get one of those they'll, damn fire weapons. You can't yeah, do anything drop, about it. Yeah, they'll drop fire yeah. right on your head, and there's nothing, nothing you can do about it. And keep this in mind that, like I mentioned, with the continues, like when you lose all your lives and you continue, you continue with the same exact weapon, which is great yep. if you have a good weapon, but if you have fire, you're like, there are going to be certain but, stages like in the, the castle where you're going to have that boss rush where fire is like basically useless. You have to get so close to the enemies to use it, especially enemies that you have to hit in the head where you're jumping up and staying super close that you have to kind of just brute force it and try to wait until you get a better drop and then go after them again. Otherwise you just got to hit reset and start all over again. But, but I will say too, that um, for speaking for how short the game is, the weapons are so different from one another that it actually adds a ton of depth Right, I mean, you you have to play depending on the weapon you have. You have to play completely differently. You know, if you've got the daggers, yeah. they're they're great. You know, you can just spam things super high speed. And not to mention the magic. That's something we haven't talked about. Like that's something that was added to this game that wasn't in Ghosts and Goblins. With the was second that, suit was that second layer of armor that you every weapon now has a, a magical ability. Like with the daggers, you have a ghost that follows you around, or with your javelin, you fire uh, electricity. Like you know. Very cool little little touch that we haven't talked about, but it, it adds a ton of depth to the game that wouldn't you wouldn't normally expect in a game that short. Like I think it's something like say another Capcom game like Strider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? That Strider doesn't have that depth at all. A great game, right. but it doesn't have that level of depth. This game actually does thanks to how completely varied the weapons are. Like if you get the sword, completely different game. Yeah, that's totally true. Um, right? It's the thing that strikes me is how because ra- the the treasure chests and the pots they're not like fixed right they're not static no. in terms of what they drop right so that that brings up the whole idea of just the random nature of this game because that that golden armor can make a huge difference especially if you've got the daggers mm-hmm. uh, but you may also not see that you know for for death after death until you finally get it and it just makes your life super easy it's like why why couldn't I have that but that <laughs> I think that helps that gives the game legs you know as well. Right, you can get du- double daggers if you got the the golden the golden armor, which they added a yeah. 
third level of that in, in Super Ghouls and Ghosts. That's what makes it so so super. Um, the magician also can pop up from those treasure chests, and you can get turned into either. And this is like you know, funny, funny, haha. You know, Japanese video game type stuff like that. That that that's what kind of like this makes. This feels like a Japanese video game type thing where you'll get turned into either an old man, which really isn't that big of a deal because you can still jump and you can still fire your weapon, or you turn into a duck, which can jump. And pretty much you have to uh, avoid enemies uh, to the best of your ability. Um, and I, like, I've been talking about this. I haven't looked at my notes once, which is kind of like how much I, I feel like I know the, this game at this point. But um, the, the big things for me with this are... Uh, one that I think in 2017, like this game is still super playable, especially on, on the Genesis. If you have the Saturn version, even better. I think that's an awesome way to play, but popping in the cart on, on the Genesis, it still feels really good. It runs great. And you, it is, it's way more fun to play over super ghouls and ghosts because super ghouls and ghosts, you only can shoot left and right. Um, like you guys have brought up multiple times, like you have the ability to shoot left, right, up and down. So you have uh, like even certain boss battles, like the, the uh, like I don't even know what you call it, like the big shell with the tumors on it where there's like little bugs <laughs> creeping out from it. And then there's, you know, that's when like there's either one snake or two snakes on your second playthrough that you need to, to kill. Um, like you actually need to, to shoot, shoot down. Um, man, I just, I, I love this game. And it even has like a really like almost Castlevania like thing. When you beat the boss, like, you know, it's going to fling the key in a certain spot. So if you're killing the boss, like on the left side of the screen, you like have the ability, like this is one of my favorite things to do is to, to run to the right, catch the key on the fly. It's just badass. So I like this game, guys. I, I, I really, I really do. And that's, I think why I can just, there's so many frustrating things that can happen while you're playing it. I still don't care. Like I'll still play through it. And I, I'm kind of cr- like amazed that we haven't done this game until now. Sorry. I would agree. <laughs> um, <laughs> Everything I'll, you just said is true. Yes. I, I wrote down. Yeah. And the, the, there's two things that I wrote down uh, at the end were the F word fire and hit boxes, which I brought up. So I'm glad I brought those up. Um, <laughs> Yeah, even uh, was was the other thing. Um, I don't know that that there's a really cool boss rush. I like that, and there's even parts like when there's the two kind of head things that are in the wall on in the castle when you're starting to do that boss rush, where you can kind of shoot up into the ground and, and glitch the game a little bit and still hit one of the heads, which makes it a little bit easier for it, but. Man, ghouls and go. So I also want to talk about and and feel free uh, if you guys have anything else to say about this game, please let's let's talk about it. But if you don't, I would also like to at least briefly discuss Ultimate Ghosts and Goblins on on the PSP because I think that might be that's 2006. That might be worth worth discussing uh, on this show soon. I don't know if either of you guys have played that. Never have. I played it back then, but yeah, not since. I heard it's hard as hell. It's super, super hard. It's very hard. But there's, you also have a, there's like more equipment you can pick up. So it feels like a more enjoyable experience despite being so difficult because it just feels fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can stand on its own though. Um, but yeah, super tough. 
Uh, and I will say just because uh, Peter's on the show and he is responsible for every review on GameSpot.com, even those that came out in 2007, uh, <laughs> Frank Provo uh, went on to give this game a 6.5, I guess, reviewing the, yeah, it was reviewing the Wii Virtual Console version, uh, saying that the good simple design focuses on running, jumping, and shooting. And also I will mention the animation in this game is awesome, especially in Arthur. Um, Haunting visuals and music. Uh, it'll take you dozens of hours to beat. I wouldn't go that far. Um, good approximate, uh, approximation of the original arcade game, but the bad, not the toughest in the series, but still intensely difficult. It's an interesting con. Sound effects are rubbish. Greg, Sega Genesis, sound chip, not getting the love there. And people just don't understand. Don't understand. This is what I don't get. Uh, it doesn't have the reverb. There's not, there's not nearly enough reverb on the sound effects for him. Is that the problem? No, it doesn't have that that sick Sony sound chip that's stuck inside the Super Nintendo. Um, and then Frank also says doesn't have the reworked levels or lavish visuals of the Super NES version. I think, like, and again, Peter, this goes back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago. Like the this game screams Sega at me. Like it screams Sega Genesis ass Sega game, and that's uh, maybe another reason why I love it so much is it doesn't look like a Super Nintendo game. It doesn't look like the arcade game, but like it just it looks like a it looks like an awesome Sega Genesis game, and I really appreciate that. It's it's gritty, right? Yeah, but, like that that special kind of gritty. It's got that like crewball look to it. Like it's just like. <laughs> Like, like it's not super sharp, but hey, hook it up to a frame meister via RGB. This game looks, oh, baby. it looks sexy as hell. Like I, mm-hmm. again, find videos on, you know, youtube.com slash fitcast network. God, this game looks so good on that thing. Um, all right. I don't know. Uh, any, any final thoughts, Peter, on, on, on this game? You still give it like a thumbs up for people to, to check out today? Yeah, <clears throat> even though I suck at it, I think everyone should play it. Um, <laughs> the uh, and you made a good point earlier, right? Like in terms of collecting, like you can get a complete copy of this game for a very reasonable price. And unlike so many games that you know we spend a lot of money on just to own, this one's like really worth playing as well. So if if you haven't done this, you haven't played this game yet, just get it. Totally. Um, and I, I should have mentioned we didn't even mention like Loki, like the final the final boss battle, easiest final boss battle in the history of video games. Oh my god. What a joke! Um, so, like, like literally, the the castle section stage is brutally difficult. Then you get to the final boss and you beat him in in one minute on the first try. It's kind of in, in insane. Um, Greg, Greg, thoughts on on this? Where does it stand for you in the history of the the Sega Genesis? Uh, I mean, it was an early great on the system. It was you know before Sonic. There were there were like I said before a key a number of key games that were genesis games they were the reason that you played this console and this was one of them i agree and it's just we mentioned the it's still a reasonable game and i actually am blown away by this just for research so people don't yell after listening to the show uh complete inbox is going for 50 dollars plus and loose copies are going for 30 bucks for rough looking copies that's kind of insane old, old video that's games weird too that's pricey kind of price yeah. I think it's yeah, point. it's definitely. I th- I bought my copy for like ten bucks a couple of years ago, but um, yeah. I think it is a case. It's like the Chris Kohler, uh, you know, flow of retro games. Like maybe people collected enough stuff for Super Nintendo, or they're getting priced out of Super Nintendo, so they're going to Genesis stuff, and then they're going to go to, 
again, I think like the next big, and this is why we're doing it for the summer, the next big push for retro game collecting is is going to be like the Xbox. I think the Xbox is going to be an interesting console to collect for for people, um, especially because it's kind of easy to do cool things with it. Um, I had so much fun. This this was uh, a blast. So why don't we do this? We'll do uh, a quick break and we'll be right back. We'll wrap it up uh, for everyone out there. So stick around. Here's some more music from Ghouls and Ghosts. that is going to do it for this episode of Back in My Play. Thank you so much. And I apologize for my extreme levels of enthusiasm for this episode. But again, I just think this is a, is a really fascinating game and a really great Sega Genesis game that everyone should should give a, a look at. And for, for next episode, I'm not sure what we're going to do next, but I will want to uh, mention... To, that you should go check out patreon.com slash back in my play some great stuff going on there and uh, again based on your support it's going to allow me to do a lot more with this show and really push hard into creating more stuff for the back of my play audience going forward so thank you so much to everyone that that goes over there and again uh, support is starting at five bucks per month for five dollars per month you're going to get a bunch of extra uh, stuff including audio and video uh, so please give that a look and if you're supporting at ten dollars or more per month you also get access to those live episodes every single month where you get to direct the conversation and uh, yeah it's just been awesome hopefully you guys can go and check that out uh, Greg what do you have coming up what can people keep an eye out for coming from you you can always check out uh, playeronepodcast.com every week. I'm on that show with uh, Chris Johnston, Phil Theobald, and Ethan Einhorn talking about new games, old games, free-to-play games, and mostly Switch games. <laughs> don't, um, don't talk about free-to-play games on that show anymore. Please just <laughs> table that conversation. Uh, maybe like maybe spin that off into a different show? Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't think so. There you'll also <laughs> ch- you can also check out my, my ongoing series uh, about uh, Sega CD games. Um, you can also check out generation-16.com to check out my web show, Generation 16, uh, playing and reviewing every Genesis game in chronological order. Yeah, go in check December out, of 1990 uh, right now. Yeah, go check out the, especially the the early episodes to hear Greg talk about uh, Ghouls and Ghosts. I, I wish I, if I was really smart, I would have went back and, and listened to that and watched that again before this episode. But uh, yeah, always fantastic, high quality episodes coming from, from you. That's why I'm always giving you... Giving you junk on where the next one is going to come out. Yeah, 
it's been taking a while. Life has gotten in the way, but um, I'm still working on those. One other thing that I do want to uh, call out too, because I'm I'm starting to officially get this underway, is every year I uh, raise money for the um, IWK Children's Health Center here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Yes, through Extra Life. Um, had an amazing year last year. Raised just under nine thousand uh, dollars. I want to make it over ten thousand this year. So now is the time. So you can find me at extralife.org slash participant slash Seward, S-E-W-A-R-T. I'm hoping to do some streams of maybe Zelda 2. Maybe I'll play through Zelda 2. Yeah. That'd be good. Um, and the other one that I really want to tackle, again, is Panzer Dragoon Saga. So uh, pay attention to that. I'll put up some uh, dates for that, and I'm sure uh, Kevin will share them as soon as I have them. I will. Hopefully I'm making uh, you know money and I'm not going into debt. Hopefully we get enough Patreon supporters so I can donate again this year. Yes, Kevin's always been very generous when it comes to this Guilting stuff. the audience into supporting the show so I can support <laughs> your your charity stuff. Um, Peter, what, what do you got uh, coming up on your end for, for GameSpot.com? Uh, we are currently ramping up for E3. Uh, there's a few games. Oh, my God. It's, gotta, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's like almost June. <laughs> it's like five weeks away, something like that. Wow. Uh, so there's a couple of big releases coming out. Um, so we're just kind of wrapping that stuff up. Uh, mm-hmm. but like I mentioned earlier, I'm currently looking at the retro freak, uh, which is cool. you know, one of those little emulation, uh, boxes, but, uh, I quite like it. It's actually really nice. So did you try, uh, um, have... PC engines or like turbo graphics stuff on it? Yeah. Yeah. Is it works it... perfectly. Oh, geez. Yeah. And Super Graphics works as well. So you could literally play the Super Kinda Graphics port of Daima Kaimura on this. Oh, man. I like, I like, we've talked about this multiple times on the show, but I've literally walked past those displays like, mil- like the last three trips to Japan and just like, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Because like, even if it sucks, like, I can't return it. Like, I can't bring it back. Yeah. I mean, I used one in Japan and I really didn't like it. Um, but some, you know, the person who's distributing it in the West uh, asked me if I'd be interested in reviewing one. So since I've been using it with my, you know, my own equipment, like controllers and my own monitors and stuff, I, I do really like it a lot. Uh, and the benefit of it, too, is that the, the thing that actually drives the console is a little thing about the size of a wallet. Mm-hmm. And you just slide that, you disconnect it from the main unit. And you've got like a really portable thing that you could put ROMs on there or you can just back up your own games on it and not have to uh, damage your cartridges if you don't mind, you know, playing these games uh, that way. Uh, really want so one it's of those. nice. Huh? I really want one of those. I, it's something that I've just always wanted to grab and haven't really had the cash to do it. Well, if yeah. the uh, distributor of the Retro Freak in North America would like to contact me, Kevin, at backmyplay.com, I will take a look at it. <laughs> nice. um, yeah, it's it's good. The uh, The way I'm playing it, too, is I'm using one of those 8-bit do, you know, wireless Super Nintendo controllers. Oh, that works so, for that. Yeah, yeah. It's got a little, um, like, a unit you attach via USB that has ports for PC Engine, Genesis, Super Nintendo, NES. Um and the, I should say the Western one comes with an adapter for NES games because the actual port on the unit is just for Famicom. Um, so, yeah. It's so, a, is this it's like a, a different little, box? Like, are they repackaging this for the, the U.S.? Slightly different. It's still called the Retro Freak. Um, so, the one I have is actually the U.K. model, um, which you can, I think, buy already. It's coming out in, the, in North America pretty soon, though. I think uh, even Play Asia right now has, like, pre-orders open for that version. I am going to have to get one of these. Yeah, I, I didn't, recommend. I didn't it, realize honestly. it was coming out here. So, yeah, and it's going to be I think 180 bucks, something like that, That's which is bad. a little bit cheaper than the Japanese one, if I recall mm. correctly. 
That's fair. Have you have you tried using um not that I would be using this, but have you tried using EverDrives with it? I don't have an EverDrive. Okay. Um but you don't really need to again cuz you can just put ROMs we'll on it. Well, yeah. I wouldn't do that. Like I wouldn't. I'm well, not going to do anything it's illegal. Exact same what are we what? I don't even know what ROMs are. I don't know. Um <laughs> I, I the only thing that I use ROMs on is on my old Pentium 100 from Packard Bell, which has a copy of Nesticle on it, and that's ex- exclusively Nesticle. that's exclusively what it's used for is Nesticle, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. also for Mega Man Three on DOS from High Tech Expressions, your favorite <laughs> video game developer. Um, yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome. Are you going to be doing a video of that for for Gamespot? Uh, I don't think we're going to be doing a video uh, just because of the resources at the moment. This is like the sort of thing I do as like a pet project when I have time. Totally. Uh, meanwhile, everyone else is just like, why is Peter playing old games again? Because he's cool. Uh, because he's he's the best. <laughs> he's the coolest guy at games. Yeah, exactly. I've got a fucking PVM on my desk. Part of my language. No, man. you're good. So that's might be onto something. That's appropriate. That's appropriate use of the the f bomb. Is you got PVM <laughs> on your your desk? Although, like, uh, I have like I've gone down to the Commodore 64 monitor. I got that teamed up with a Dell Ultra Sharp with a frame. Like, Tanya, yep. Frame Meister, Dell Ultra Sharp. Like, that is a, a sick looking picture. I have a Commodore 64 monitor. Can I use that for all my... It's an outstanding monitor for composite. It should do a composite. There should be an RGB port as well, but it might be one that you have to buy adapters for. It is. It has a. It basically has a separate... Uh, for I think it's for for black and black and white and for the colors or something like that. Like it's a weird we, connector we on the back to, for PCs. We need to talk after the show. Okay. Um, <laughs> I want to yeah. play. I want to play light gun games again. Yeah. Well, that would be a good one because you can just press the the gun up against the the glass. Yeah. Isn't um, that how you play light gun games? I don't understand. Yeah. I just pointed them at a at a lamp. That usually gave <laughs> there you go. Uh, coming up next week on Back of My Play, Hogan's Alley. <laughs> do, do two hours on Hogan's Alley. Um, actually, one, one thing I want to ask you guys about, or I guess maybe more specifically, uh, Peter, about before we wrap up is, um, or maybe for the audience as well. I'm gonna. This is open question because I don't know if if we're gonna do it or not. But uh, obviously, uh, we did Rondo of Blood a couple years ago on the PC Engine CD. Um, and when I was messing around on the Super Nintendo stuff, because actually before you guys hear this episode, you're going to hear me talk about Super Mario Kart with CJ, also Player One Podcast, and Joshua Hillier. Um, but I also booted up uh, Dracula X, which I'm not sure, or Cast- I guess Castlevania X. Um, do you guys think that's worth doing if we already did Rondo Blood? Is that worth doing an episode on? They're pretty similar. Um, I mean... It'd be interesting to compare the two, certainly. Yeah, I just, I kind of want know. a reason yeah. to play it. That's kind of <laughs> like doing. That's kind of like doing an episode on Ghouls and Ghosts on the Master System after you just finished this episode. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Oh my God! I just can't believe how bad that is on the Super Nintendo. It's such a shame that Konami was. It's like Konami laziness of today, but back in 1995, it's really rough. Um, all right. Well, I think that is going to to do it for for this episode. Thank you so much for for tuning in, everyone. Uh, you can make sure that you follow Greg on Twitter at s e w a r t. You can find Peter Brown at p c brown on Twitter, and again on other social media platforms. Um, and maybe finally, 
Peter, do you have something that you're looking forward to on, on E3? Any kind of predictions just in case I don't get you on here again before then? Uh, hoping to see interesting, and I, I mean like interesting Switch stuff. Uh, I'm, yep. I'm a little worried Nintendo is going to, you know, Dreamcast uh, say, oh yeah, well, it's going to be really exciting. It's going to be amazing. And it's just, you know, 3DS games that I'm not interested in at the moment. Uh, I'm hoping for a Metroid in the style of Breath of the Wild, where you go oh. underground. Oh, that makes me super happy. <laughs> oh man, like or like yeah, like Metroid Prime but like but more super Metroid than Metroid Prime. If yes. that makes sense. I just I just want Metroid. That that's all I want. In terms of what I'm anticipating, uh, your guess is as good as mine. There you know they're going to because that's why Reggie wore that pin on the Game Awards six like whatever it was 6 years ago. It was all <sighs> leading up to this. They've been working on it for that long. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the Switch needs a a hot hot E3 because I'm telling you guys, I'm not playing Mario Kart again. I'm not going to do it. I keep telling myself that, but there's a bunch of people at work that have a Switch and they're all getting Mario Kart, and I kind of want to race. Bring your controller over. Yeah, I want go, my own screen. Go to the friend. Okay, um, Peter, did you got a? I'm sorry, uh, Greg, did you got any predictions for for E3? Anything that you want? Are you looking for just some some Sonic? Uh, Sonic Mania is out bef- right after that, right? It's in August. Yeah, I can't. Man, everything they're showing about that game looks so that looks, incredible. Yeah, we we got to before that. We will do. Um, let's make this promise now. We'll do Sonic Three and Knuckles. Sounds good. I mean, that's, no, I don't have any. I don't have any predictions for E3. I'm not. I don't follow it closely enough. I, I'm just more reactionary on that stuff now. Like I can't wait for it to happen because I love sitting there watching the e3 streams but uh no i don't really have any predictions i got one for you halo 6 i predict that microsoft has to show something that they'll have video games that they'll have video games well, that's because we're gonna need. see scorpio for sure but oh yeah. that's true that's that's the thing is like yeah what games can they pull out I, yeah. I do not want any more Halo. I'd be so happy if that was done. Yep. Well, Same if, if they're going to do anything, they got to finish the trilogy because they left it. Uh, they left it uh, years ago. And I don't even know if they did a sequel, but I'd love to get them to finish the the Fusion Frenzy trilogy of games <laughs> because one two switch sold like a million copies. They got to be able to sell a million copies of Fusion Frenzy two or three. Anyways, um, all right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Back of My Play. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can check out backofmyplay.com for more episodes. You can subscribe on iTunes. We've been super high up in the rankings, so thank you so much. Submitting reviews helps in that process as well. And like I mentioned before, patreon.com slash backinmyplay to support this show. And and this is one thing that uh, I got some questions about. Even if you don't want to check out all the extra stuff, that supports the show. It helps me make more episodes and stay regular with this because – as you guys have probably heard right now, my goal is to do the podcasting thing and see if I can just spend a lot of time making more awesome episodes, videos, and content for you, the audience, and deliver more of what you've come to love from back in my play. So thank you so much. And uh, we're getting really close to that fourth anniversary as well. So maybe we'll do something special for that. But uh, until next time, get back to your games and maybe even go on eBay and buy some Chinese bootleg soundtracks for... Akamajo Dracula X for the PC Engine CD and for the PSP. Take care. We'll see you next time.